Andy called me and said, hey, can you come to my office? And I thought, oh, no. Um, <laughs> and no, I came down and he said, hey, I want you to speak at the gathering over a topic that I think you're really good at. And I said, is it humbleness? Um, okay. And he said, no, actually, it's singleness, um, which then humbled me. And so, because I don't know if that's a good thing that he thought I was good at singleness, but um, I'm going to swing it so that you believe that is a good thing. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story so that you know where I'm coming from, uh, because I walked through a journey, and Andy and I worked together for a large part of that, um, where I was single. Um, I became a Christian at age 17. Um, so we won't talk about any of the time before that, but from that moment on, it's been holiness ever since, right? Uh, making wise choices. And then while I was in Bible college, um, I ended up getting married really young because if you've spent much time in the church, um, it's kind of a little funky and maybe even a disease to be single, right? Like people are like, oh, I'm, you know, and so you feel like, man, I got to get married, right? And so that's what I did. And we served in the ministry for six years um, next to each other. I married a pastor, so I was safe, or so I thought. And some of you have heard this story that after six years, um, I actually discovered through a text message that we were going to be getting divorced. And then this next season of my life was the most difficult one yet um, as I walked through being single again. And maybe some of you in the room are there. And I wasn't just single again, but I was single with two little monsters, or I mean two little children, excuse me, um, that are incredible boys, but I was experiencing this new season. And for me, the church was really a difficult place to be because all I could see were perfect relationships. And I came here to Crossings, and for nine years... I walked through this singleness trying to figure out what does it even look like to be single and love the Lord? And I sat in these seats and I listened to relationship talks and I listened to perfect marriage talks and I thought, I'm doing all of these things so it should be a recipe for the hottie to just come up to me and be like, girl, your holiness is so much. Let's get married, right? Like, you're like, I'm doing all of these things. And so that was the season that I really did a lot of things wrong, and I think I did some things right. So we can talk about that today. But for me, I thought, what should I talk to them about? What if I do, like, three surefire ways to land the hottie? Maybe? Y'all are like, let me get the notepad. But then I was like, no, Andy might frown upon that. Um, so then I asked myself, what did it feel like to be single? for nine years in these seats. And what it felt like was a lot like fake news. I don't know if you're like me, I used to watch the news, and then I think you're supposed to get older and watch it more, but I actually started getting all of my news from social media outlets, right? So like if you guys weren't sharing that the flu is an outbreak, I wouldn't even know, so I wouldn't have even started washing my hands after I used the restroom. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Right, that's where I started getting my news and then something started happening that really bothers me. This fake news epidemic 
because I thought I could trust you or I thought I could trust these things. And last year, I hit my breaking point with this. I, my mom sent me something that she thought was true and then I clicked it and I thought was true and it was so inappropriate that somebody felt like they had the right to make fake news about this topic. And I was done, like I almost got off of Facebook and everything. And some of you might have experienced this, you might have even seen it. My mom sent me this and this was where I was like, this is too much. This is inappropriate. If you don't know what this is, this picture told me that Friends was coming back in 2018. And my mom sent that to me in my Facebook message, thank goodness, she usually posts stuff on my wall, but she, she learned, I taught her to do the like message so that other people don't see. And she said, I know you love Friends here. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I clicked it, and when I clicked it, a website popped up that said www.fakenews.com. And I was like, mom, why would you send that to me? That was fake. And she said, how was I supposed to know? And I said, did you not consider the source? And she said, well, what was the source? I said, fakenews.com. So we're done, I'm done with my mom. I unfriended her on Facebook. <laughs> but this was kind of what singleness felt like to me. And we can learn a lot from fake news because we have to consider our source. And I think we hear a lot of sources in this season. And if you're not single in the room, you're saying, hey, I'm dating or I'm engaged or maybe even I'm married, you can hear this as well. You, there's a truth in this because we're all in one relationship. It's complicated, but we are all in a complicated relationship with our creator. And when we are not considering the source, we find ourselves in a crazy place. Our source can become our friends, which sometimes are good sources, but sometimes not so much, or our coworkers, or that really cute couple on Instagram that like their highlight reel is everything that you want, right? They are your relationship goals. Or maybe even your parents are that source. On my 30th birthday, my mom bought me a $100 gift card to Home Depot, and I thought, oh, that's nice, mom. What, Home Depot, that's kind of random. And she goes, well, I have this plan. <laughs> I'm so glad she didn't post this on my wall. She said, I thought that you could get dressed up on Saturdays and that you could go to Home Depot. And I, this is a true story. If you know Paula, you're like, yeah, I believe it. And I said, why would I get dressed up to go to Home Depot? She said, there are a lot of men at Home Depot. Like, these were the pressures I was getting. This is hard enough, Mom. And I, and I try, maybe tried it once, but this is a true... <laughs> If you saw me, like, I did see you on Saturday. You were looking for, just, my, this is true. My mom actually called me, and I just happened to be at Home Depot. And she's like, hey, baby, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just at Home Depot. And she's like, oh, you are? What are you wearing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, sweats? I don't, what does, okay. So that was the pressure. That was the source that I was getting. And maybe some of you are there. You're getting these pressure and the source, and you're hearing these words that say that there is this will for your life that's causing some tension. And that's where we have to be really careful. Because the reality is, as Christians, that we have one source. And Jay talked about his name, and it is Jesus Christ, and it's Christ alone. And if we're not listening to that source, life gets a little crazy, doesn't it? And it gets a little messy. And when I look back at my time of singleness and the tension and the pain in that moment was always when I was hearing the wrong source. And I had this moment 
that got really messy and crazy, and I think it can describe the way that we feel. Some of you may know a friend of mine named Leah Norman. I've known Leah since she was in middle school, so if you want to see some pictures, I've got them for you. Um, And she lived with me for a while, and Leah and I were watching a movie one night, and I needed to use the restroom really bad, but it was in a great part of this movie, and um, I'm in ministry, so I didn't have a DVR, so we were just like watching it. And finally, I said, I have to use the restroom. I'll be right back. Um, I got to set the word of the Lord down, because this is going to get crazy. And as I'm walking down the hall to the restroom, my son, Jax, who was probably about six at that time, screams like bloody murder scream. And if you know anything about Leah, like she's afraid of her own shadow. I have 27 videos on my phone that I can show you of me scaring her. This is true. And, and, I, and he screams and then she screams. And then I'm like, what is going on? And he said, there is a giant rat in the garage. And I said, okay. And she's just screaming. Like she's not even anywhere near it. I said, it's gonna be fine. Let's go, let's go find the rat. And she's like, what? And I'm like, well, if the rat gets in the house, then we're all gonna die. And she said, okay, you're right. So I get a bat. It was plastic, but it was a bat. And my boys are not athletes. So we go out in the garage and I'm like, okay. Now remember, I never made it to the restroom. Okay, it's gonna be important. And I'm in the garage, and I actually park in my garage, so it's not like I'm climbing over like things. And I'm looking for this rat, and I said, Jax, where did you see it? And he just happened to point by where Leah was standing, and just by him pointing, and he was about to say, I saw it over there, she screams at the top of her lungs. And then I screamed, and then I saw a little bolt of lightning run from between her legs towards me. And I didn't have enough sense in that moment to pause and understand that what I thought was a rat was actually just a little mouse. But he was coming right for me because he was terrified because Leah just screeched. And I threw the bat and took off running to the other side of the garage. And when I went to stop in my socks, I slid because garage floors are pretty... They're slick, right? They're slickery. Slickery? That makes more sense than slippery if you think about it. Slickery, I slid like I was going into home, you guys. I'm all the way down, and my foot hits this ladder that I have on the edge of the garage. And this giant rat is running at me, right? And I don't know where Leah is in this moment, and I'm looking for the mouse who is running towards me like, save me from this crazy lady who's Leah. And the ladder is now falling towards me, and so I'm like, ah, ah, what? Like, do I die from the rat or the ladder? And so this is what I do in moments where I don't know what else to do, like when a semi is passing me on a bridge, I just close my eyes. <laughs> And I had my hand up, and by the grace of sweet Jesus, that ladder fell right into my hand. And so here I am, laying on the garage floor, on my back with this ladder above me, and I'm looking, and I don't see this mouse, thankfully. And I look over at Leah, and I'm like, where's the mouse? And she's like, I don't know. And I stand up, and my favorite pair of gray sweats suddenly turn darker. (laughs) I am not, I peed my pants. And this is, I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud. This is what we do. We 
we, we humble ourselves before you and tell you these stories. And I just stood there holding this ladder and looking at Leah and looking down as my sweats turned colors. And she said, are you peeing? And I said, yeah, I am. And I think that was kind of what singleness felt like, right? Like I, I was scared and people were screaming and stuff was falling and the next thing you know, you're standing in a pile of your own urine. Not a pile, a puddle, right? Any, is anyone like, Mel, I am there with you. Like, take this burden from us, Lord. That is what singleness will continue to feel like, whether it's nine months or nine years. The source that you're listening to is not the source that you were created to hear from. So it might be Paula buying you gift cards or your friends or all of these things. But I wanna show you in Matthew where Jesus is desperate for his disciples to get this. He's begging them to consider the source and for him to be the one and only. So turn with me, um, if you would, to Matthew 26. And I'm gonna read a larger chunk of the scripture, but Andy said that you guys can track with it, that you're not like the high schoolers. We'd stick to one verse with them, but he said I can at least do six with you guys. So after that, you're done. Um, so Matthew 26, verse 36. Jesus is in the garden with his disciples. It says, he went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We are finding a broken Savior here. My soul is overwhelmed. This is Jesus speaking. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour? I can't, I imagine that he probably, it was, I'm, I'm assuming that it was a little deeper voice and frustrated. And he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is probably a whole nother sermon, Andy, you can cover on that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed a third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. We see this pathetic story here where Jesus is begging his disciples, just wait 
And, and just watch with me, please. And we get caught up as Christians on this moment where Jesus is out there with the cup and why did he want it to pass and what did that even mean? But we have to put ourselves at the seat of these disciples and my question is, why couldn't they stay awake for the king? And I get it, like I, I get super sleepy and like things just, everything is just like I'm hungry and I'm sleepy and, but they were in a crowd. I mean, we do lock-ins. I don't really anymore because I prayed and the Lord said they're sinful. But our, like our middle school's having a, a lock-in this Friday and people will not sleep because they are in a crowd. Like how did these men that loved Jesus and believed that he was the son of God fall asleep when he begged them in his sorrowfulness, in his brokenness, can you just wait and watch? Like if there's ever a moment for you to listen, it's then, right? When someone's broken and at the end of their rope, like I'm all ears, I can wait and watch in this moment. And he found them sleeping three times. And if we're not careful, we'll get out of this season or we will walk to the end of our life and we'll look back and we'll be broken by this thought that the Savior again and again found us sleeping. When we consider the source and it's Jesus, and we wait and we watch, everything changes. Your attitude, it changes. You can be content in a place where you shouldn't have been content. You can wake up in the morning and you can live for something greater than the status that you have. Your purpose changes. There was literally a season in my singleness where I knew that I should not be in a relationship because if I'm in a relationship, I will not be able to fulfill the call of God on my life. Your purpose changes. And you see people differently. When you watch and you wait, people no longer are a means to your end. Because that's what they become in our craziness, in our urgency, right? When we have to get married, then people become a means to our end. If you don't believe me, watch where your eyes go the next time an attractive person walks in the room. They're gonna go right here to the left hand and then they might go somewhere else. That's on you. That's between you and the Lord. But we go straight there, right? Because what we need to know when we meet that attractive person is could they possibly be the means to my end? Could they be the one that gets me to where I need to go? And I'm not saying that that's a sin. Maybe it is. I don't know. Again, like you should pray about that or Andy can decide next week. But when people are a means to our end and our eyes are focused on their left hand, I promise you it's not focused on the cross. And it's a dangerous place to put people there. It's a very dangerous place. And if Jesus is our purpose and we're Christ followers, then why isn't he enough? Why isn't he enough? If our identity is Christians and we have the sticker and the t-shirt and we block off our calendar for this, then why isn't that enough to fulfill us? Like, let me ask you this question. If you never get married, 
Is that your breaking point with your faith? Like, is, is that your boundary? This is my faith boundary. I can believe in the Lord and trust him unless this. Like, what is your breaking point? Because whatever that breaking point is, is going to be the thing that breaks you. Like, what if you never get married? Or what if that person you're engaged to leaves you at the altar? Or what if that person that you marry leaves? Or what if you spend the rest of your life in a really miserable relationship? Is that your breaking point? Like if you could look ahead 40 years from now and you found yourself sitting alone, would you be here tonight? Is this a means to your end? Is he enough? And I know that's a hard question to answer because believe me, I'm telling you, I spent those nine years with desires and with knowing that God had called me to do great things that I thought I could do even better with a partner. But was, is he enough? And is that going to be the thing that breaks us? If you don't hear anything else tonight, other than the fact that I peed my pants in my garage, hear this, that if you can't maintain a relationship with your creator, how are you supposed to maintain a relationship with someone he created? Let me say that again, if you can't maintain a relationship with your creator, how are you going to maintain a relationship with someone that he created? I wanna leave you with this tool because we have to check ourselves. Remember I said that this is really about one relationship and it's you and Jesus? And so we have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? And that tool is, I thought y'all were gonna laugh at that. I told someone, I told Lance that they wouldn't laugh at that and he told me to say it anyways. Here's your tool, Colossians 1.10. I want you to filter yourself through this. Colossians 1.10 says, live a life that's worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in all good works and continuing to grow in the knowledge of God. Here's what you can do with this verse, this is awesome. You ask yourself, am I living a life that is worthy of the Lord? And if you say yes, go to the next, pat yourself on the back, but go to the next one. Am I bearing fruit in every good work? If you say yes, go to the next one. Am I continuing to grow in my knowledge of God? If that is the case, then you take that filter and you put that on other people, on your friends, and on that person that you're pursuing, and you ask, is she living a life that's worthy of the Lord? Is he bearing fruit in every good work? And is he continuing to grow in his knowledge of God? And we'll make excuses for this, right? But is he really making it through this filter? Because scripture is your best test here. It will always come back tried and true. And then if you're in a relationship, put your relationship through that filter. Are we living a life that's worthy of the Lord? Are we bearing fruit in our good works? And are we continuing to grow in the knowledge of God? That scripture can be an incredible tool for you. And it reminds you of the source that you were created to be listening to. So friends, live a life 
that is worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. Bear fruit in your good works and continue to grow in your knowledge of God, whether you are single or engaged or married. Amen.